Good morning, everybody. Nikki Burnett here, Taste Life Nutrition Radio, streaming live on KUHSDenver.com. Um, we are in a little bit of a different place. I'm under. I'm in a different place today. Um, I'm actually uh, broadcasting out of my home office, so it's a little bit new for me. Uh, but that's okay. This is going to be such an amazing, interesting, intriguing, informative educational show that is for men, it's for women, it's for for everyone uh, involved because women are everywhere and we affect everything. <laughs> it's just kind of the way it goes. <laughs> but um, real quick though, Taste Like Nutrition Radio, what are we about? We're about bringing goodness and love and information and education and in health and wellness. And health and wellness is is broad, right? Health and wellness is mental, emotional, physical, spiritual. It is relational and financial and all of these things wrapped into one. And my goal with this show is to really bring to you the people who are out there working their asses off to serve, to to give goodness, to help people to optimize, to to live this big, amazing life that we have been given uh, to the best of our ability. And we have so much information and knowledge and connection, but we still seem to be so confused about what is health, what is wellness, what is good food, what is what is bad food? What is how much should I move? You know, all of these things that can just be so confusing for people. And I want to I want to open up the minds a little bit and, and see that there's so much out there and so many people out there who are who are really good at helping people live large, which is my goal in life. And so today we have Pat Duckworth, who is doing something that a lot of, that we just don't hear about very much, and she goes out there, and she talks about menopause, and she talks about menopause in the workplace, and she talks about how how women can struggle, but then how we also then can thrive, and so, Pat, thank you so, so much for joining me. I'm so excited about this show. It's so good to be here, and you know, I sometimes joke that I would go to the opening of a packet of cookies to give a talk. So <laughs> I'll open the cookies and we can start talking. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> cookies are good. <laughs> so um, first things first is we always start the show with gratitude. I think gratitude is so important in um, in a, our daily walk, in in changing changing our own attitudes, changing uh, the attitudes of those around us. You know, gratitude is energy, and the more grateful we are, the more we put out there, and the more that we're going to get it back. And so, um, what are you grateful for today? Do you know, every morning when I wake up, I put my hands over my heart and say, "Thank you for another day." Yeah. Because we shouldn't take it for granted and you know we wake up it's another day and then i kind of send my mind around my house and say thank you for food in my cupboards thank you for clothes in my wardrobe thank you for because there's so much to be grateful for when we start and 
so grateful for the contacts that I make so that I can talk about this really important issue and, and reach more women. It's true, and that's, that's why I love this platform so much is is the ability to reach wide and broad, right? I mean, the show like this and a show like yours, you know, we have now with the technology, we can reach people globally, which I'm like, this is the coolest thing. <laughs> I, I had feedback that um, my program was being uh, listened to by women in prisons here in the <sighs> UK. And I thought, well, that's great. And they're saying that they really appreciate the show. And you think, those women, and apparently there are a lot of women at menopausal age who end up in prisons um, for a variety of reasons. So if you can reach those people who I wouldn't be able to reach in any other way, how fantastic. Yeah, that is amazing. Uh, and it's something certainly to be grateful for. Yeah. Um, the little things are the things that we're grateful for, I think, which, I mean, so there's some really big things that I'm grateful for, right? But you're right when you said that is, you know, just, I'm, I'm also, I, you know, in my prayers, I'm like, thank you for today. Thank you for giving me a voice. Um, and, and, uh, you know, what I hope is, you know, God's voice coming through me and, and when I speak and when I'm, when I, you know, whether it's with clients or whether it's, you know, on a show like this, or if I'm on somebody else's platform, <coughs> excuse me, um, that, you know, what I say, it, you know, kind of like what you said, it reaches people and has an impact. Um, and so grateful for, uh, for, I think grateful for this, just having this platform. We're now in, um, we're two and a half years in, and I know, and we have grown um, we are at 145,000 people, I believe, at this point, which is super cool. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's really fun. And then just having people on who, I, I say this at the beginning of every show pretty much, but it's always, always true that bringing on people who truly are here to serve, um, and that's, that's who I'm attracted to, and that's who I like to have on the show. Um, and so I'm, I'm grateful for you for being here because I think this is a really important topic and something that needs to be, it needs to be discussed and brought to the forefront because um, I know we were talking before the show that in the UK there is, you know, there are organizations that are geared toward educating and helping uh, women in the workplace who are starting or going through menopause as well as those who may not understand it yet whether they're younger women or they're men um, understand what it is that they're going through and you know something you have on your website is you know taking the taboo out of menopause this is something that we've done since the dawn of time why is it so taboo I think because we put such a premium on youth and trying to stay young, even though we should be grateful that we get older every day. Yeah. It's a gift to get older every day. It is. But um, so it is um, an Asian gender issue, you know, that women are try so hard to stay young. And so admitting that you're going through menopause is signaling that you've got a bit older. Mm -hmm. And also there's kind of a grief around being non-reproductive. Mm. 
uh, there's a sense of loss that a stage of your life is over. So I think that's why women are more reluctant to talk about it. I remember raising it. You know, I used to travel to London every day when I, I was working in London, and I was traveling with two women. You know how commuters always sit in the same places every day if they can? <laughs> We're such creatures of habit. Yeah. And these women were at the same stage of life as me. And I, I started a conversation about menopause, and one woman said, how old do you think I am? Like, <laughs> offensively, and I thought, well, I know you're the same age as I am, that's why we should be talking about it. Uh -huh. She was like, don't, don't say that I'm that old. And, uh, you know, why can't we just uh, embrace it and say, well, this is the stage mm -hmm. I'm at? Yeah, it's true, it's true. It is hard, though. I mean, um, so as a, you know, as a, you know, I, I just turned 50 in March, and, you know, I, I know it's coming, and, and as you said, I am in perimenopause, I know that. I did my own, you know, I do my own lab testing regularly, and I see my hormones, and like, oh, and I did actually did a clinical consult with the clinician on staff, and he said, you know, your estrogen's not gonna get any higher. <laughs> No. <laughs> Let's face it, this is what's happening. <laughs> so, okay, you know, so it's, it is that, um, you know, it's every day just sort of embracing it and saying, all right, here, here it comes, you know. But. And, and, you know, there's so much negativity around it, but I want to tell you, I feel better now than I felt at any time in my life. I, mm. I'm having more fun. Um, I care less about a lot of things that used to worry me. Yeah. Um, I'm doing great work. I'm able to reach lots of people. And so I'm the other side of this kind of space, beckoning you over, saying, it's great over here. Come join yeah. us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. And I think that I, I, wanna, I want to hit more on that, but I want to make sure that we talk about a little bit about you and your history and how you got here and how it is that that you know this is such a you know specialized area right is working with corporations and teams on women going through menopause so <laughs> what what in the world is it that brought you to this place what gets you excited what motivates you all of the things Oh, so many questions. Well, I spent over 30 years working in the public sector. I was in public service in government departments for over 30 years, working in a completely different area. I was working in property and real estate. And, um, and then I was walking to work one day and I was crying because I was so miserable. Mm. And, and for most of the 30 years, I've been pretty happy with my work. I've really enjoyed it but it had all turned a bit sour. And that's one of the things that menopause is, it's a restart button, a reset button. You know, as your hormones are changing, your body's changing, you get the chance to go, is this what I wanted to be? Is this what I wanted to be doing? Does this matter? And mm -hmm. for some women, the answer is no, I, I want to do something else. And I came home from that and said to my husband, I'm not going to carry on doing this until I retire. And he said, good, what is it you want to do? I said, I don't know. Uh, but I've always been interested in complementary health and in health and well-being, uh, which was not what I was doing at all. And I was interested in how the brain affects us and neuro-linguistic programming. 
So I did my research, signed up for a course to learn how to do NLP and hypnotherapy. And no sooner did I signed up than the universe went, I see you've taken a step. And the next thing that happened was an early retirement scheme came up at work. So I was able to leave my work a few months later with my pension and all of that, which was great, and take that next step and do the training, set up in practice for myself. And I, I, I knew I was gonna write a book, okay? It, it was just like, I wonder what the book will be about. I was just curious <laughs> about what I was gonna write about. <coughs> and I realized that a lot of the things I was working on with women around weight, around anxiety, poor sleep, stress, were things that affected them at menopause. <laughs> so I thought that will be it. You know, the NLP books have all been written by the men about stopping smoking and confidence and all of that stuff. I thought, but if they write the book about menopause, who's going to read a book that a man has written about menopause? So I just decided to write that book in 2012. I wrote Hot Women Cool Solutions, and it was really to tell women what was going on at menopause and all the different options that they had for treating the symptoms. And I have just gone from there. Awesome. I love it. So I want, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that book. So let's kind of, I, I think in, in, as I was kind of looking, you know, through my notes and how, how to do the show, I sort of jumped straight into menopause in the workplace. And then I thought, no, let's take a step back and let's just talk about menopause and what women deal with and what you have found in your research, you know, when you wrote um, Hot Women, Cool Solutions, correct? Yeah, <laughs> make sure I get it right. Um, because I think even though we have all gone through this as women since the dawn of time, I still feel like because I know for me, I feel like and I and every other woman, it's still a what is it? What is yes. it going to be like? How's it going to feel? What, how is it going to interfere? All of these huge questions. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it's not a subject, but that mothers talk to their daughters about which is weird as well you know it's yeah. not like oh i had this conversation with my mom and her, her menopause was like that it doesn't happen and mm. most women go into this really underinformed. in fact by the time they're experiencing symptoms they don't know what's going on and in a way it's it's kind of by that stage they're tired they're a bit low and and oh don't tell me about it and some women go through it and they have all the symptoms and they go, oh yeah, I did menopause, my period stopped, but I didn't really have anything. And if you question them a bit further, well, did you feel tired? Mm. Yeah, I still feel tired, yeah. Were you a bit achy? Yeah, lots of aches. Uh, did you have problems sleeping? Oh yeah, yeah, my sleep isn't what it was. It's your menopause. <laughs> 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 like you just didn't realize that that's what it was. So mm -hmm. most women think that menopause like happens when they're 50 and they get some hot flushes and that's all a bit embarrassing and, and then your periods stop and that's it. Mm -hmm. And they don't realize there's a whole bunch of stuff that's going on because in your 40s through to your 50s, your reproductive hormones are gradually reducing, the levels of them in your blood are reducing and those hormones aren't just about reproduction. Mm -hmm. Oestrogen affects over 200 
systems in the body. Isn't that amazing? So you can imagine if your body is fueled by this and there's less of it, you're going to feel something. And 25% of women go through menopause and really don't notice. And 75% have symptoms. So those 25% are like those girls that you were at school with when you were going through puberty and they perhaps had one spot on their face yeah. and, and, and that was it, that was puberty done, you know. And other girls are like covered in spots and having massive mood swings and flooding and all kinds yeah. of stuff. And, you know, that, those are the women who tend to come to me. It's not the ones who sail through it. It's the ones who are going, what is going on and why is all this happening to me? And yeah, of those 75%, 25% will have frequent and intense symptoms. And yeah, they might be really puzzled by them. Yeah. In your experience and research, do you find that if a woman <clears throat> is, is, if her hormones are fairly balanced throughout life, you know, periods are fairly normal, not a lot of PMS symptoms, that kind of thing, that menopause tends to be a little easier? Or do you think that that's not the case? It could be the case, but there's a whole bunch of things that affect your experience. So one is your genetics. Sure. You know, it can be an indicator of where your menopause might occur. It's not going to tell you a lot about your menopause because of all the other things that are factors. So bear in mind, if your mum says, oh, I had a really terrible menopause, that doesn't mean you will. Right. You know, that's just sure. one factor. But then there's your nutrition, and you will probably have eaten different things to the things your mum is. Your diet will be different. Yeah. There's the amount of exercise you take. There's when you had your children, if you had children, because pregnancy can really disrupt your hormones. Mm -hmm. The amount of stress in your life. Mm -hmm. So you might have had really good periods, you might be generally healthy, but life is stressful and that is gonna affect your experience. Mm -hmm. It can be, you know, other issues. Race is an issue um, because of the underlying stress caused by racism. And that causes differences. And um, so women of colour tend to go into menopause earlier just because they're more stressed. Interesting. And um, there are certain conditions that are associated with that. So women of colour tend to have more fibroids. And fibroids you know, can cause you to have excess bleeding, can be very painful. Um, so there's, there's lots of factors and we need to consider all the factors, not just, well, my periods have been pretty good. Uh, I think I'm good. Well, the fitter you go in, the fitter you will come out the other side. That's definitely true. Mm -hmm. um, but there's lots of factors at play here. Okay. I can't help but to want to throw in um, because you know, th these are things that I, you know, when I'm working with, with clients and I'm, I'm doing their testing and I'm looking at their hormones and I'm seeing they're not detoxifying their hormones properly or their estrogens are way out of control. Um, and so often I think that there, there's really a lack of understanding. I, I, don't, I don't know about the UK and how bad pesticides and herbicides are there, but they're terrible here, right? And they're considered xenoestrogens. I assume you've heard the term xenoestrogen, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it can be, um, you know, when we have xenoestrogens in our food, 
uh, that we eat every single day. We also mm. have xenoestrogens. So real quick, xenoestrogens, they're, they're um, estrogen mimickers. So they're chemicals that bind to our estrogen receptor sites and they don't allow our own natural estrogens, however much we may or may not have to do its job. And so things just get really, really crazy and wonky. We also have metalloestrogens um, but it's in the, you know, the, the, our body care products. It's yeah. in what we clean our hair with and what we clean our body with and the lotion and the perfume yeah. and the, and the detergents and all of these things that we think are doing good things for us, which are actually very, very toxic and severe hormone disruptors. Yeah. Um, and so I think, you know, it, this is from, you know, the day we're born until, the day we die, making sure that we are only using things that are really helpful and we're super aware of the, the products and the food and the chemicals that we, we have the ability to, to mitigate. You know, there are things in our environment that we can't mitigate, right? Oh. But we have control over what we put in our body. We have control over what we put on our body and how much this can impact us. You know, people seem to have this, this I don't know if it's a, a view or this thought process that a little bit's not that big a deal, but when it's a little bit every single day, multiple times a day, for years and years and years and years, it's extremely disruptive. Yeah, and it's that simple thing, it's like <laughs> not microwaving food in plastic containers. Yes. Plastic yeah. containers have xenoestrogens in them. If you heat up your food in the plastic container, the xenoestrogens are going into your food. Mm -hmm. So just really simple, reduce that body burden just by putting, if you're gonna heat up food, putting it in a glass container or putting it on a china plate. Um, and also something that I've really noticed more in the past couple of years is when I take food out of my freezer and it's in a plastic bag, I can smell the chemical. Oh, yeah. I can smell the chemical in the plastic as I take it out of the freezer. Now, some people say, well, you're just making... No, I can smell mm -hmm. it. And I know it's tainting mm -hmm. the food as well. So really thinking about the containers that we're using for our food, because it, all of these chemicals increase our body burden, but chemicals that we can't get rid of from our body, we can't process them, and they get stuck in our tacky yeah. tissues. Mm -hmm. um, and in fact, I, I, a friend of mine, um, Kay Newton, who talks about this as well, um, we've talked about the fact that that weight that you carry around your waist mm -hmm. um, that might give you that muffin top, yep. some of that will have the, the xenoestrogens in it. It will have the chemicals that your body can't get rid of and it's just mm -hmm. storing them in the fat in your body. Yeah. It's true. And, you know, what's interesting too is the more testing I do on people, I can test the plastics and I can test the toxins and I can test the glyphosate, you know, which is the Roundup yeah. and, and all of these, these chemicals that are in our environment and in our, just in our world. Um, I, I can test them and I can see them and the amount of plastic that is in people's bodies, like you said, in their tissues, it's it's phenomenal oh. it's really scary um and we're starting off at a deficit you know we're starting off as babies with all of this, this massive toxic burden you know just from being alive 
And we just keep sort of, when we don't understand the implication of it, we just keep sort of piling it on and piling it on and piling it on. And when, you know, going, you know, talking about genetics or in epigenetics, and, you know, some of us don't have the ability to detoxify these things as well as others due to epigenetic variants. And when we, you know, supporting that system for those of us who need that extra support, I think is really important as well. Yeah. And it's just important to raise that awareness all the time. And sometimes people go, oh, it's too much. I don't know what to do. Well, just start with something simple. Start with looking at the plastics that you're using and whether you could store your food in glass or some other container. And, you know, just thinking before you microwave something, what's the container that this is in? Just start with simple things and just see how you go and what's the next step and the next step. It's true. It's true. Yeah, I do find people can get very overwhelmed with all of the things that you need to do. And so you're taking it back and, like you said, just baby steps. Baby steps is really the most important thing. Because then, you know, they turn into big steps and big changes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we started here at home. We were using liquid soap in pump dispensers. And I said, let's just buy good old solid soap. Let's get rid of that bit of plastic. And now I've moved to having solid hair conditioner and solid shampoo. So, and not worrying about whether it foams or not, because of course they're foaming agents. Or yeah, it's <laughs> Forget the foam, okay? No, no. It's not making a difference. You just <laughs> sold the idea that it was better if it foams. Better if it doesn't foam. <laughs> it's true, it's true. It is the funniest thing though, when, you know, because I've heard the same thing. I've used shampoo that doesn't foam. Um, and it was from my husband, he's like, what is this? Is that a foam? Or your toothpaste? Is that a foam? No, it really doesn't. <laughs> How did we get sold on the idea I, of foam? I don't know. <laughs> I know. Marketing is amazing, isn't it? <laughs> it is. So let me, um, <clears throat> excuse me, take a quick break. I want to make sure that we talk about our sponsor real quick because um, I'm a little bit in love with Cellcore Biosciences. I think that they do amazing things, and I bring amazing people on the show and have amazing sponsors on the show. I'm very, very proud of, of them um, and the fact that they're our sponsors. So Cellcore Biosciences, um, they are a fairly new supplement company to the world of functional medicine and functional nutrition. Um, and they are the, the, they're innovative and unique in, in their products as well, and, and mostly in their delivery system and the way that it gets to the core. And when I say that, I'm talking about it gets to supporting our cellular health. It gets to supporting our mitochondrial health. You know, so much of what we deal with, you know, when we have severe menopausal symptoms, when we have severe chronic disease, all of these are, you know, at its core, it's mitochondrial dysfunction. What is going on that's creating this dysfunction that's not allowing the body to work at its optimal. And so we have a company like Cellcore who their goal, their ultimate goal is to get to the foundation of health. 
and really address the root cause of what is creating the dysfunction. And obviously, supplements aren't the end-all, be-all. We need to look at lifestyle and stress and trauma and food and all of the things that are important. But to have the type of support that CellCorp can give is really, it's really an amazing thing. Because the results that I've seen, and then when I do the conferences and do the seminars and the results that other physicians are saying that they're seeing, it's really just phenomenal and fun when something is that, it works as well as it does. So anyway, don't mean to just kind of keep rambling, except I love what they're about. I love that they're such a great company. You can only get them through practitioners. So you can reach out to me. I think you can go to CellCorp and find a practitioner that's close to you. So they have tons of data on their website. So check them out. Let me know if you have any questions. And as always, you can always post in the Facebook comments for me or for Pat or for any of our other guests about any questions that you have. We're all here just to be a resource for you, to help, to be a guide in any way that we can. And we love what we do. So thank you, Pat. And then thanks, of course, to CellCorp. So let's dig into a little bit, you know, what your sort of your big why, and I don't know if this is, I'm just putting words in your mouth. I was going to say your big why in life. I don't know if that's really right. But what you do is you work with corporations. You work with teams. You help people to recognize, to be aware of women in the workplace who are dealing with menopause, as well as those women, you know, who maybe don't understand how to give voice to what they're dealing with, right? So let's talk about that a little bit. I was looking at my notes here. 42% of women are negatively impacted by symptoms. You know, and that's, you know, that's a hard one to deal with when you are still maybe raising a family or raising grandkids and trying to work and trying to build a business or just trying to keep a great relationship with your husband, you know? There's a lot going on at this stage of life. And, you know, whether it is with the kids growing up, getting ready to leave home or actually leaving home with your relationship, with your work. And at work, we should be at that point where we're really cashing in on our careers, where we've put in the hard yards, we've done the study, we've done the training, and, you know, we should be really achieving well. And then to find that suddenly you don't feel so well, mm -hmm. that suddenly you're not sleeping and you're feeling more anxious than you used to, and perhaps you've had a hot flush in a, a meeting and you're starting to feel less confident. Um, that's, a, that's a bad place to be. And so many women at that point decide, well, I'm going to put my career on hold a bit. I'm not going to go for promotion. Perhaps I'm going to ask if I could work part-time or have flexible working hours. And those women aren't going to say it's because of their menopause. Mm. They're going to say that there's like personal issues or home issues or something like that. <laughs> so the employer doesn't know that there's an issue. And the woman is finding herself not earning as much as she could, not putting as much away for her pension as she could, and not achieving her potential. And I think that's my biggest why, 
is that, you know, for all those 30 years in the public sector, I was determined to do the best job and to get as far as my talents would take me. I wanted to achieve whatever it was I could achieve. And I want that for other women, that they're not suddenly putting the brakes on and thinking, I can't do this anymore. You know, that that's not good. Yeah, I, I agree. I, um, I find, so I find for myself that I am in this place where I, I have this motivation that I didn't have before yeah. as an entrepreneur, as a healthcare professional, as you, you know, I, and maybe part of it too, I'm finally just sort of finding my voice and my own why. Mm -hmm. um, and so much of it is exactly what you said. It's, you know, I, I feel pretty amazing most of the time and I want everybody to feel amazing most of the time because if if when if we don't, you know, kind of like with, with work with the, with anything, we're less productive. We don't want to be of service to people. We don't want to do our best because it's hard. Mm. We don't feel good. It's hard, mm. and we have this one life, and it's we have. I believe that everybody has. So much unique ability and gifts to give and to help people through the junk which is you know a lot of what I do and to get to that point to where then they're like okay now I feel so good I can go out and I can do the big things that I'm here and I that I was put here to do mm. and there's still this half a life so much to do. I'm like, okay, let's go do it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Let's yeah. hit the reset button. Yeah. Find out how to live our best lives and get mm -hmm. on with it. You know, and, and this stage of life, if you do that review at this stage, if you go, your body's saying to you, let's take stock. Let's see where we are. What's working? What isn't working? Mm -hmm. If you just try and la 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 your way through that and ignore it, you're missing an opportunity. Because this is the chance to actually build the foundations for the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years. You know, who doesn't want to build good foundations? If you just say, oh, well, I'm now on a steady decline, I'm just going to carry on doing what I'm doing, because why shouldn't I? Mm -hmm. You're missing this chance to do yeah. something brilliant that really supports your body, that allows you to do what you were sent here to do. Yeah, yeah, agreed. One of the things that we had chatted about, chatted about a little bit before the show was, <clears throat> in, in I, I was doing a little bit of research, and everything that came up showed menopause in the workplace, UK, menopause in the workplace, UK. I was like, what? <laughs> so it seems that that maybe uh, we're a little bit behind in the U.S., although. I say that, and I, I want to talk about that, but I say that I, as, as I've turned 50 and developed more relationships with more women who are turning 50 and beyond and dealing with it, it's not, it's, 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 it's not, people talk about it. I mean, we talk about it all the time. You know, women talk about it and they're like, okay, you know, when I turn 50, everybody's like, yay, you did it. Woo -woo, you know? <laughs> and, I mean, it's, it's very different, but it's not like people are hush-hush, and, and women, I mean, are hush-hush and quiet about it. 
But it does seem, though, that when it comes to corporate America versus corporate UK, it is much more discussed and much more people are actually wanting to learn and deal and see how we can be more supportive, how they can be more supportive of the women who are dealing with these symptoms in the workplace. Yeah. So I think we, for once, I can be really proud and say I think we are world leaders in this. Um, and I think there's a number of reasons. One is there are more women over 50 in the workplace than ever before, and it is the fastest growing demographic. So there's a pressure that comes from that. And we have these women who have, you know, they've gone through work when they were on maternity rights and they've had fertility treatments and, and then they get to this age and like, okay, how are you supporting us now? So there's pressure from that direction as well. I think the difference in the UK is that in 2010, we had the Equality Act enacted. So a piece of law, piece of legislation that came in which was about how people are treated in the workplace and there are certain what are called protected characteristics and that means that employers have to make sure that they're not being prejudiced or biased against people with certain characteristics menopause isn't mentioned but age is mentioned gender is mentioned and disability is mentioned and although menopause isn't of itself a disability for some women who are undergoing a lot of treatment because of their symptoms. Cases have now been taken, employers have been taken to court in legal actions. I'm trying to find the right American words for this, so if you don't understand anything I say, then do tell me. But um, women have taken their employers to court because they've been dismissed or badly treated and they think it's because of their menopause. And in five instances, um, there is now case law where the court has accepted that the employer did not treat these women properly. And so because of that, that's another pressure that has come on to employers to think about what they're doing, what adjustments they're putting in place, how they're dealing with women at menopause. And we found this, there is more of a um, an onus, uh, a more of a responsibility on the public sector. So we initially saw public sector organisations like the police force, the armed forces, the military, um, ambulance services, central and local government putting in place menopause policies where they actually set out how they were going to support women in the workplace. And then it moved into the private sector as businesses and organizations, particularly those who've got wellness policies, well-being policies, employers who are um, signed up to corporate social responsibility, saw this as another area where they needed to pay attention. And so then the private sector started, and it, it's a whole bunch of different ones. You know, there are some banks, some media organizations, um, uh, all sorts of different private sector organisations who've now said we want a menopause policy and they've put them in place. And there's been more in the media about it. So there have been a lot of different pressures and now a lot of research that shows the benefits. And that's huge to organisations, particularly at the moment, 
uh, employers and businesses looking for well, what, what's in it for them is that there are lots of benefits for businesses and organisations that look after women at menopause. Interesting. I want to <clears throat> I, I go back just a little bit because what the thing that I find interesting is, see if I can say this properly, women, you know, it's not, a, it's, you know, menopause is normal and natural and not, yeah. a, not a, a dysfunction, yeah. but it can create a place where, with, where women are struggling so deeply with it, mm-hmm. focus, concentration, um, you know, brain fog and these things that can happen, that it actually does become a little bit of a dysfunction. And I can imagine how terribly frustrating it is when you go from maybe being at the top of your game to, you know, kind of like what you said in the beginning, you know, you're, 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 you start to deal with these weird things that are happening. And why is this happening? You were on top of your game and now you're just not. (laughs) Yeah. And it happened to me, you know, and I'd already, this is before I got into this when I was still working in the public sector, I, I had actually done my research about menopause because I'd had some of those comments, you know, like, oh, women at menopause and, uh, oh, your menopause be bad. And I thought, what is this thing? I need to find out about it because my mother had had a hysterectomy, so she couldn't really tell me much Thank about you. it. Yeah. So um, I'd done my research, but in my late 40s, I was doing a really demanding job. I was a senior manager. I was studying for an MBA. I was commuting for like three hours a day. Oh, uh, I know. <laughs> and I felt like I couldn't focus anymore. It was like I needed new a new pair of glasses. Mm-hmm. And yet I'd got a new pair of glasses. So why couldn't I see clearly? I couldn't understand what it was that I was experiencing. And it was brain fog. Mm-hmm. It's a thing, you know. Mm-hmm. We yeah. laugh about brain fog. We laugh about not remembering where our keys are, or getting to the top of the stairs and thinking, "Why did I come up them?" But estrogen is a very powerful hormone in our brains. It helps to regulate a lot of function in our brains. And so, when we have less estrogen, it affects our brain structure, and so it, it stops us from thinking as clearly. Now, the effects of that. Go. So let's not worry. We we do get over brain fog. It's yeah. just that it is a thing, mm-hmm. and it's not to be scared of. It's been okay. So what can I do that will support me and help me through this, rather than thinking? And a lot of women do. I think I'm getting Alzheimer's. People, oh, women, women think they're getting dementia, and they're not. It's just that you don't have as much estrogen in your brain as you used to. I have not. Yeah, taking the fear out of it also Mm -hmm. helps with the symptoms. The less fear you have, the less anxious you are, the more your symptoms will calm Mm -hmm. down. So once we know about the symptoms, we can do things about them rather than just, I'll keep quiet about this because I'm ashamed that I think I'm getting dementia. Mm So when you work with your corporations and your your teams, let's talk about that. So my question is, 
do you do you both talk with women who are going through it to help them understand their symptoms but then you also work with those who to help them better understand those women's symptoms yeah it's both things because managers in organizations need to understand you said at the beginning this isn't just a women issue it's not just a women issue it is a people issue and it's an empathy issue mm. because some women don't understand and women managers who don't understand and think why is she talking to me about this so we shouldn't just think this is a men problem or a women problem it's a people problem and it's about empathizing so I do train managers so that they understand firstly why it's a menopause, why it's a workplace issue, what the effects of it are on women in the workplace, and what they can do about it, and how they can have that conversation, how they can have a sensitive conversation around it. So all of that is really important. And I also work with organisations in terms of putting um, communication policies in place, you know. Mm -hmm the strategies around where the information is and how women can access it. But then I also work with the women in the organisation who probably don't understand what they're experiencing, mm -hmm. who need more education, who need the words around it. You know, a lot of women don't understand what perimenopause is. They've heard about menopause, but mm -hmm. what, what the hell is perimenopause? Yeah. Is, this a, <laughs> is this another thing I have to worry about? Um, and what the <coughs> symptoms might be and their options for treatment. When you understand what your options are, you're less stressed about it. Okay, very good. So I'm sitting here looking at your um, website and uh, the things that you, so as far as what you offer, um, you know, you're looking at, so I know you have um, an online course and then I'm seeing you have um, workplace essentials. So workshops yeah. that you, so you go in and you, so do, can you do virtual now or are you all live? <laughs> I still do quite a lot of virtual. I mean, I love doing live. I did work with um, uh, Cheshire Fire Service, which is up in the Northwest of England. And I, I worked with them before the past two years, which we will skate over. Um, but I was standing in a fire station with firefighters talking about menopause. There's some great big hoses of water as well, which would have been really good. If I'd had a hot flush, that would have been a good moment. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I love doing live, but I've worked with a lot of organisations on Zoom because it means you can keep the time short. You know, we can cover a lot in an hour. I can deal with questions. Um, yeah, so I, I, I do it both ways now it's, uh, we've all got so used to doing this online yeah. and you know some people just love to have you standing in front of them <laughs> right have you done anything outside of the UK I have traveled the world talking about menopause I've been uh, to Singapore oh. I've talked to the um, Singapore Hypnotherapy Society about it mm -hmm. I've been in India Iceland uh, the Netherlands Denmark um, and, and in the US and Canada so yeah I, I do um, I used to love a bit of travel I'm hoping to get a bit of travel again <laughs> yeah there's a little, little bit of a, a stop to that huh let's, let's, let's get back to traveling that's what I want yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am going to be in the US later in the year so fingers crossed <laughs> ah, good good 
So is there anything when it comes to, I think my biggest question is, I know you're doing the workshops. It's what's involved. I mean, how is it that you are, how do you open up the conversation? And so people then beyond you open up the conversation and are able to have the tools in place. What are tools that are in place? Yes, it really helps me for a lot of managers and organizations. I've done a lot of talks, which are just preliminary, like 20 minute talks as part of other things to say why it's a workplace issue, because there are still organizations that haven't got that. So I talk about performance. I talk about sickness leave, presenteeism, like being there when you're not well. How many women leave the workplace because of menopause? Up to 25% of women consider leaving the workplace. We don't know how many actually go because it's very hard to find that statistic. So, and I refer them to all the research that has gone on so that we're building this firm foundation of this is a thing. It's not just the latest hot topic. This is something that you need to be thinking about and how it might be affecting your organization. And then really spelling out the benefits. You know, it will help you to retain knowledgeable women who've got all that experience and you don't want to lose them and they're just walking out the door and you don't even know why they're going. And, you know, how you can support the women that you were always wanting to promote and to keep and how you can support them. So I talk about all the benefits of it. So we're understanding the problem, we're understanding what the benefits are, and then what the solutions are. So the simple things, uh, there are simple adjustments in the workplace that you can do, and it's really understanding what women want. For some, it's as simple as, I want a desk fan. I want to be able to call myself. I know. Mm-hmm. It can be that simple, and perhaps mm-hmm. your employer hasn't been doing that. Access to cold water so you can have a drink access to toilets whenever you need them to washrooms because you your periods might get heavier and more frequent and you need to get to the bathroom so, so is there a, and i'm sorry to interrupt but no. is there actually a time when women don't have full access when they need to go to the restaurant or women or men but yes yes i always thought anybody could go to the bathroom whenever they needed to because I, you know, I came up in public sector. But if you're in a job where you're customer facing, it might be in the retail industry or you know, hotels, something like that, you might be told that you can only go to the bathroom at certain breaks. And we've had instances of that in the UK where women were told, yeah, you can only go at this time. Now, if you are flooding, you need to get to the bathroom. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and if somebody tells you not, um, yeah. There was a case actually where somebody, um, she was dismissed because she suddenly had flooding and some blood went on the chair that she was sitting on. Mm-hmm. And she was very apologetic about it and they dismissed her because she soiled the chair. You know, this is the mm-hmm. sort of thing when people push back and say, oh, this is just women, you know, it's, it's, it's about nothing at all. They shouldn't take cases to tribunal because um, they just make it bad for other women. You know, mm-hmm. men won't employ women because of this kind of thing. Well, this kind of thing? 
You know, mm. where somebody's called out in public for being menopausal, when somebody gets dismissed because of their performance, but they had a letter from the doctor, when some of their blood went on a chair and it wasn't their fault, mm-hmm. you know, that's why we need to fight these rights. So, yeah, not everybody is allowed to have a fan, not everybody is allowed to get access to drinking water, and that's why we have to push for these things. I'm a little bit floored. I know. <laughs> I can see that you're a bit, really? Does that happen? It happens. It happens. And, and we know that it happens from the reports that women put out. But some employers are really embracing this idea of let's ask the women what they actually want. Mm-hmm. You know, and for some women, they get cliff edge fatigue. Like one minute they're fine, the next minute they're so exhausted that they just can't stay at their desk. And mm-hmm. some employers are providing restrooms where when you, know, you might lay down for half an hour, you're fine again. Yeah. And that half an hour means that you can be productive for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Some employers have looked at the uniforms that women have to wear at work, and often uniforms were designed for men and then adapted for women, and they're not suitable. If you're having hot flushes and mm-hmm. you've got a shirt that goes down to your wrists mm-hmm. and up to here, or perhaps, and this was one of the things that the fire service introduced, was that some of the women said, do you know, these trousers have got high waistbands, and at some times mm-hmm. of the month, my waist is a different size to uh-huh. other times of the month. Oh, without and they that. said, okay, we'll give you two pairs of pants, and one bigger than the other, so that, you know, you're not embarrassed by your pants being mm-hmm. tight. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's crazy stuff like that, where if you, it's the first step, actually, for employers. The first thing I say to them is go talk to the women. Do a survey. Find out what it is they want. Don't start giving everybody a desk fan if they didn't want a desk fan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just find out. Ask them. Yeah. You know, do they want a water cooler somewhere and you haven't provided it? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what can you do? And often it's not going to cost you much money. It's pretty simple. Yeah. You just have to ask. Mm-hmm. So the first step for all employers is find out what yeah. they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it, it just makes sense, and sometimes, it, sometimes the answers are are um, so much easier than it's just thinking about it, right? It's just like you said, just ask the questions. That's when that's a lot of times I think where innovation comes in. It's like just ask the question. <laughs> and we saw a lot of innovation in the past year or so with employers really thinking about it and talking to women and um, so here in the UK um, uh, if you're on hormone therapy um, some of the so within the United Kingdom you have Northern Ireland and Wales and Scotland and those um, countries have their own rules around some things so they were paying prescription charges for hormone therapy. Women didn't have to pay for their hormone therapy. Mm-hmm. Here in England, women had to pay a prescription charge. Mm-hmm. And so some women were saying, well, I, I can't afford it. You know, I need it, I feel bad, and I've been prescribed it, but I can't afford it. And the government said, yep, we're still not gonna pay for it. Um, and they had some crazy reason why. Mm-hmm. And, um, but some employers said, We'll pay, we'll pay for our women's prescription charges. Sure. Easy done, <coughs> sorted, yeah. next thing. Mm-hmm. And so the, the women employees were then like, oh, okay, I don't have that problem anymore. 
-hmm. And that means they're less stressed at work, they're not so worried, their symptoms are better, and they're going to be really loyal to that organization. Sure, yeah. I mean, I think that it just it makes common sense in any situation. If you support your employees, they're likely going to be loyal to you. <laughs> they're going to say good stuff about you. It does wonders <laughs> for your brand. I mean, the brand of some organizations <clears throat> has been totally hit by ending up in tribunal with a woman explaining how she was treated. Mm -hmm. And of course, some of their customers will be women of that age who go, well, if that's how they treat women, I'm not shopping there or I'm not buying yeah. products from there. Sure. They don't look after women. So, you know, there's a lot of um, uh, damage to brand that can occur if you don't embrace it. Yeah, yeah. You, uh, you support with your pocketbook, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, they, they identify that women at this age are probably controlling a lot of the household budget and their own budget. And the global market for uh, menopause products now is about $350 billion. Wow, amazing. Holy smokes. That's why they're taking it seriously. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's amazing. Um, I am super grateful for you to join. Um, I can't believe, I, I told you in the beginning, it's like it, the hour goes by so fast. It always does. Always, yeah. <laughs> But I have loved this and I'm grateful. Um, I think that um, if you're open to it, we should have you on again and, and talk about more stuff. Um, but I really appreciate it. I want to make sure that everybody knows where to find you, how to find you. Um, I know, I believe that if I'm correct, that you, uh, you can, that people can read the first chapter of one of your books. Because you have five books. I have five books, yes. and uh, last year I published Menopause, Mind the Gap, which is specifically about menopause in the workplace, and you can download the first chapter free, which really sets out the business case, it explains mm -hmm. it, and there's lots of references in there that you can look up, and that's from my website, patbuckwith.com. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much. Um, for anybody who is out there who is either on the verge or dealing with or confused, there are a lot of resources out there, but but I think that my plea is, you know, uh, be, be accountable for yourself, look for the resources, find the resources, eat well, drink a lot of water, um, and, and have the conversations. Have the conversations with your the people who are around you, the people who support you, the people who are, um, you know, in business with you. I think that those those things can be really important in starting yeah. the conversation in places that maybe aren't having the conversation. We don't have it. We have it here a lot, but are we having it, you know, at the corporate level? Yeah. You know, um, but not not as much probably. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I uh, I am just. I have had, I have been looking forward to this and I'm so grateful to you well, <laughs> and all that you're doing. I, I'm grateful for the opportunity to talk about it, particularly to this wider audience. It's a thing, let's talk about it. Yes, let's talk about it. Don't be afraid, let's get it out there. So, so good. Thank you again. I appreciate you so much um, and we will definitely have you on again if you're open to it. Always open to it. Awesome. Particularly if we're opening a bag of cookies. <laughs> yep. <laughs> let's let's do it again. <laughs> All right, Pat. Thank you so much. Thank you.
All right, everybody, thank you for joining us. Uh, this, of course, is Taste Life Nutrition Radio, streaming live on KUHSDenver.com. Um, you'll find us here every Thursday, 10 a.m. Mountain Time, where we're streaming live to the world. Uh, and so we hope to have you on, uh, have you join us again next week, 10 a.m. Mountain Time. See you later, everybody. Okay, I'm going to stop the recording. Recording stopped. And I'm going to assume.